Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Good morning and welcome to episode 77 of the Jaguar Report podcast. My name's Gus Logue, joined as always by my co-host John Shipley. John, we're here to break down another another interesting game for the Jaguars. <laughs> They've had yeah. losses against backup quarterbacks, this time falling to the Joe Flacco-led Ravens, Browns, excuse me. Um, is it is the world ending, John? Do you think the sky is falling? Is this it? Is it curtains for the 2023-24 Jaguars? Not curtains in the sense that they probably have done enough to, you know, they haven't yet punched a ticket to the playoffs. Obviously, you know, they, they could lose, like, the next four games and finish, what, 8-9 would be their record if they did that. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, with games against the Panthers and Buccaneers and, I, I still don't think the Titans are even like spry. Like I don't even think they're feisty. Like yeah. I, I think the Ravens game we probably chalk up as a loss, but they have three winnable games down the stretch. But is the idea of this team doing anything in the postseason gone? I, it's getting pretty close. It, it, it's getting pretty close. Like for it's just these are two extremely winnable games and. You know, on paper and even on the field, like they literally lost because of stuff that they keep doing to themselves. I mean, so what? They lost by four points. Think about the red zone interception to Ridley. That takes away at least three points. Uh, Lawrence getting sacked out of field goal range after uh, one of their turnovers. That's another three points. Like they very easily, if they didn't shoot themselves in the foot on offense, like very easily. Could have won this game, much like last week. They could have won if you know they didn't, you know, miss a field goal or they didn't do a few things, you know, here and there. If uh, they were connected with Ridley right before halftime on that weird play where Trevor, you know, dropped the snap and then chucked it deep, so it definitely doesn't feel like anything like any of like the margins of luck are really going their way. It seems like, and on top of that, they're beating themselves. So. I don't know, man. Episode 77. They've almost given up 77 points to Jake Brown and Joe <laughs> Flacco. It's, 
regardless of the context of how those quarterbacks did it, they still did it. And uh, it's not time to pack it in yet, but it's definitely, I think, time to wonder, you know, even in the probability that this team makes the playoffs, what are they going to do when they get there? Yeah, I think this team has been, like, compared to the Lions a lot and for good reason over the past year. And, like, I think right now no one really considered the Lions, like, true Super Bowl contenders unless they happen to lock up the number one seed so that the road in the NFC playoffs would go through Detroit and Jared Goff would be able to play every playoff game in a dome. And I think it's, like, not really for the quarterback, but it's, like, a similar story for the Jaguars in that, if they were able to get like a one seed or even a two seed, then people might be like, all right, they've got like a solid chance or like path to reaching a Super Bowl and being a real contender. But I mean, now that that's like unraveled a little bit, I mean, the Jags still are leading the division. They're still fourth in the AFC and it's definitely getting a little bit murky in that conference in terms of what the playoff pictures are going to be looking like. Yeah. Uh, And I mean, the, the Chiefs did lose last night. I guess the Bills and the Ravens did win. Great. Dolphins yeah, great. Tonight against the Titans. But, yeah, like, to me, it's, like, they're still, like, a playoff caliber team, even with these, like, two ugly losses. But now it's, like, pretty limited hope for what they might do once they do get to the postseason. Yeah, no, I mean, Ravens are two games in front of them now, and, you know, that's with them having to play the Ravens on Sunday Night Football. The Ravens are rolling right now. They look like the most complete team in the AFC. Uh, Mike, Michael DeRocco tweeted last night per ESPN stats and infos that Jags had a 96% chance of making the playoffs entering the game and only dropped to 92. But their chance of winning the South dropped from 88 to 67. And then, I mean, you still even look behind Jaguars at the rest of the AFC. There's like, what, like four or five teams that like, seven and six right now who are like just a game behind them, including the Buffalo Bills who are playing better football than the Jags right now. There's several teams in that range who are playing better football right now. The Jags maybe, you know, catching a break. Uh, CJ Stroud potentially may miss time. It looked like he had a pretty clear concussion yesterday. Uh, the Colts magic kind of ran out against <laughs> uh, wood chipper quarterback, Jake Browning. Yeah, I get, is there a quarterback controversy in Cincinnati? <laughs> there you know? shouldn't be. I mean, it's between who's going to be the backup quarterback between Jake Browning and uh, Cincinnati uh, Mandarin Bengal or whatever. Mandalorian. Mandalorian. The Bengalorian. The Bengalorian. The Bengalorian. Yeah, there we go. That's what it is. That's what it, it is. It's be the on competition. Yeah. So, I mean, we, we can just start right in with the offense. I, I thought it was one of the offenses – you know, worst games of the season. So the first two touchdowns, they were set up by really short fields by the defense. The last two touchdowns, one came with like eight minutes left. That was probably the best drive of the game. I think it was like a nine play, 60 yard drive. Other one came with like a minute and a half left when they were down by 10. It's, I don't know if you'd call it garbage time, but there's a, there's at least some litter on the side of the road. You know, <laughs> you're, you're, you're you're getting there, you know. For sure. But, like, Doug Peterson said after the game that the offense was – he felt just disconnected all game and Trevor and the receivers weren't on, you know, the, the same page. I really think the story of the game is, you know, the, the Jaguars, their connection to their receivers just went absolutely nowhere. You know, I tweeted out yesterday, 
Trevor Lawrence, when targeting Zay Jones and Calvin Ridley, went 9 of 27 for 82 yards and three interceptions. When targeting anybody else, so Evan Ingram, Travis Etienne, Perko Washington, Deionis Johnson, he was 19 of 22 for 175 yards and three touchdowns. So literally when he targeted, you know, Zay and Calvin, things went horribly wrong. When he targeted anybody else, like Evan Ingram, I thought Evan Ingram probably should have had like twenty targets. Yeah. <laughs> like he 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 was he was their best offensive player. I thought he was still was starting the team in targets. You, you just like you saw how much I thought they missed Christian Kirk because it seemed like they had no easy answers on third down, especially against man coverage. Guys just weren't getting open. I didn't think Zay Jones looked good. I, maybe not a ton of egregious plays from him, but he had like. I felt like four or five chances to make like a tough catch and did, didn't make any of them. And, you know, when, when you have injuries at wide receiver along the offensive line, along, you know, when your quarterback's injured, like you have to elevate your game some and bring down some of those. And it just seemed like he wasn't anything, you know, doing any of that. And when he did bring it down, you know, he, he wasn't making an impact. It felt like every deep pass towards him, you know, wasn't, really having a chance to be completed. And then Ridley, it, it, it was a, it was a weird game for Ridley. I guess, I guess we're really apologists. Uh, that was, that was. <laughs> you, you can put all the game on me. I'll, I'll, I'll shoulder all of it, but yeah, none of us, none of us like thought it was going to be a really a big, really week in the Cleveland game, at least. You did. Only I, I did not. You said every week is a Calvin Ridley week, and I probably laughed and was like, "Yeah, sure." But like when we were doing the props and stuff, I didn't have Ridley written down. I, I remember you saying Ridley over one hundred and fifty. No way. You're <laughs> 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 the guy. Yeah. No. I, 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 like uh, against like this like specific Browns defense, like man coverage, bringing lots of pressure. Like Christian Kirk probably would have been fed, you know, this game and yeah. You just seeing more and more how Lawrence and Ridley just aren't really there on the same page. So there was that one interception in the red zone. I, I'd say it's probably it was the biggest or second biggest play of the game, counting the sack that took them out of field goal range because they both directly took points away from them. Mm-hmm. It looked like Trevor expected Ridley to, you know, run his like quick glance route and immediately be looking for the ball and Ridley instead like ran into like a wave of Browns defenders and wasn't even looking for it. And you could see immediately Lawrence was like telling him like, look at me. Yeah. Look at me. And then then Lawrence's last interception, Lawrence said that he put that one on him. Doug Peterson said it was more or less on Calvin Ridley. He was like, you throw it to one of your best receivers and you're hoping it's either an incomplete or they make a play on the ball. It, it seemed like even like the route, like he wasn't really expecting, you know, to be the hot there. You can question going empty when it was like, what, like third and like a yard and a half. I understand not just going under center and running it because they suck at doing that, but the yeah. deep, a deep shot out of empty, I I do understand criticizing, but it, it really I think showed that 
not a receiver one for this team at this point in time. It's not to me. That's not to say it can never happen. I still expect them to be the team next year, and maybe as they get more reps together, you know, maybe some of those issues of not being on the same page goes away. But for at least this point in time, he feels like a complimentary piece on the offense. And when you lose one of the guys that helps like stir the drink and makes their offense go like Kirk, he's you know much less effective. Yeah, I think the Jags game plan for this season was to like go into it with a three-headed monster at wide receiver between like Kirk, Ridley, and Zay. And even though a lot of outsiders would put Zay like at a much lower tier than those first two, like <laughs> okay, <laughs> you know everyone was outsiders. Everyone put everyone put Zay Jones at a much lower lower level. I was gonna say like maybe us and Jackson would like put him like a little bit closer to that group. I might have at least. I was not because it was. He had, a, he had an okay training, a nice training camp. Anyway, they were like, those were the three starters, and they were expecting like more of just like getting something out of that unit as a whole than like Ridley being like this alpha dominant awesome guy. And then like just naturally Ridley and Zay would like get up and looks like that wasn't really their process. It was like we're like feel comfortable with our three starting receivers. And like because we have three receivers that were comfortable in starting like we're gonna have like answers for everything but then like obviously Calvin was a bit rustier than the team would have probably hoped uh coming back from two years off football Zay Jones has an injury early in the season Christian Kirk has injury now uh Travis has been a little bit banged up even though we're talking about receivers but like just they haven't really had like uh, their full core intact for really any one game. I like I'll be surprised if they started and finished a game with Zay, Ridley, and Kirk all fully healthy. Like maybe there was one game. Um, and so like obviously their receiver plan didn't really work out because of a lot of injuries and moving pieces and such. And then on top of that, it's like Lawrence just had a high ankle sprain and he's down his top left tackle and then his other left tackle go, goes down in the game and you're on the road against uh, statistically the best defense in the NFL who plays really aggressively. And we saw that a bunch of times with like some questionable non-calls in terms of like Browns defenders getting like two Jags receivers, just like a half second early and kind of disrupting patch points. Um, so like, it was just a pretty tough draw uh and so i definitely think that like the story of that game is like the disconnect between lawrence and his wide receivers now that christian kirk is out but i think like just a bigger issue for the jags in general is their like run blocking because like i saw some complaints about how they the jags like never really try to establish the run and they like never really kept with it and like we've talked on this podcast about how like when they've been able to get the run going, then like obviously play action opens up much easier and just like everything is a little bit easier to do. Uh, but I, I wouldn't really blame them for not running a lot against the Browns just because it wasn't really working a lot. And like obviously again, Travis isn't fully healthy. So I think I think like there was just a lot of factors that went into this. Like they shot themselves in the foot plenty of times, like you said at the top, and then like so many different injuries, playing on the road against a really good defense. Uh, Fumbled like, in their own territory on third and long for really no yeah. reason. Like, it's one loss. I'm, I, I, I like, I did say that. Like, I don't think they're like Super Bowl contenders or anything like that. But like, I'm not really overreacting to this loss as bad as it seems to lose to Joe Flacco. What 
was that the worst the run game has looked all season? Because, like, obviously, ETN, 14 for 35 and a touchdown, not good numbers. But it's like he was getting hit for, like, five and six-yard losses. It, like, it, it, it wasn't just getting stuffed. It was, like, ruining. And, like, they came out of halftime and immediately had a six-yard loss on it on first down. Like, it, second second and 16 on the second play of the half. Like, I – I can't remember the last time the running game looked that bad. Like, there's been plenty of times this year where it's been non-existent and gets stuffed, but to the point where Browns defenders were legit, like, living, like, four to five yards in the backfield. And, yeah, Jaguars, Ezra Cleveland got hurt, so they had Blake Hans. Tyler Shafley? Shafley? (laughs) Tyler Shafley was in there at left guard. They're missing Britton Strange. It it, it was obviously kind of like a patchwork, like, offensive line. I believe my prediction on Miles Garrett not getting a sack was technically correct. We we don't we don't count two point conversions. It doesn't go on the stat sheet. <laughs> but true. nonetheless, like I think Lawrence like threw attempted like his third most passes in a game. And there's yeah, he attempted fifty passes. Only a third time in his career he's done that. And the first two came when he was a rookie and regardless of how he feels like Lawrence on that ankle and against this defense, like throwing it 50 times, just it isn't a winning, you know, strategy. And, but I don't know what else they can do. Cause they, they literally just cannot move the ball on the ground as things yeah. currently are. And I, I, I do think that's a big reason the offense looks the way it does too, is because teams more or less know that they have to throw it and they can, really throw all their resources in the kitchen sink at stopping the passing game because the running game isn't scaring anything. Like, I know they tried Wildcat a few times. They had like a couple outside runs that had some decent gains, but it, it just overall, they can't move the ball on the ground. I was going to say, I felt like the Wildcat snaps were the only thing that was working for them in the run game. And then eventually they like ran it one too many times and that uh, uh, up for a negative loss. I was going to say, like how many times can you realistically run it? Because – it also kind of telegraphs the defense. Like, yeah, maybe they don't know exactly what style of run and what, like, blocking is coming at them, but everybody in the world knows that when ETN's in the walkout, like, he's getting the ball. Right. Or handing off to Tank like he did one time, but unfortunately Tank did not reach five touches somehow, which is crazy. How, how many snaps do you think Tank played yesterday? Two. One, and I – Specifically, do not remember it. <laughs> if you, if, was it on a quarterback sneak? I feel like Lawrence – did he have one quarterback sneak early in the game? Maybe. I, don't, I don't think so. I guess not. Yeah, well, so. yeah, go, you, missed, you missed on that one. Yeah, I'll go find uh, – I didn't come prepared to this episode. I'll, I'll find some cardboard for Friday. Oh, no, don't, don't worry about it. I, it's, it it's, it's working. It's at a sign, sh- sign <laughs> shop. Yeah, there you go. Okay. Yeah. Okay. yeah it's it's, it's going to be like the size of like a giant – Fake cashier's check. <laughs> and I, I actually, I actually want you to go walk up and down Moncrief. With <laughs> oh, honk, yeah. honk if you've been balky balled. That, that's <laughs> that's actually a new punishment. That, that's not that's not one I'm agreeing to. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, the cardboard sign saying I was wrong about Saint Bigsby. That's one thing. Yeah. So, so say say you're a press Taylor. He, he definitely did like things wrong in this game, but what? I mean, how would you really go about like even coordinating the Jaguars offense? Like, you don't have a running game. Your quarterback's not on the same page with one receiver. The other receiver looks like he's running with cement boots on. 
I mean, only thing I can think of is spam targets to Evan Ingram, but it seemed like the Browns like expected, like we're expecting that. Like I think on one of like the late third downs, like Trevor looked like he wanted to go to him, but the Browns were like doubling him underneath. So like, what even are the answers for it to you? Uh, the one thing that comes to mind is to try to find some more trust in Tank Digsby because, like, I think the Jaguars drafted him with the thought that, like, yeah, obviously he'll be, like, a short yardage back, the goal line back. Yeah, I, yeah. Let, I thought this was a bit at first. Can I finish the take? <laughs> I thought this was a bit at first. Go ahead. I don't know. But it's, like, I, like, I think they drafted Tank, obviously, to be short yardage, goal line, et cetera, et cetera, to, like, be the between-the-tackles guy. But I think, like, more specifically, they drafted him to be the power guy because last year at the beginning of the season, Jags ran a lot of zone because, like, uh, zone is, like, you kind of, like, it's hard to run out of shotgun sometimes because, like, the type of plays you can run become limited. And so a lot of times you're just running zone out of shotgun. And both Peterson and Lawrence – had like shotgun heavy backgrounds plus Phil Rauscher, the offensive line coach had like a wide zone or just zone running influence from his days in Minnesota. And so Jacksonville started off last season with like uh, running more zone than anything else. But now by like this time right now today, they're like more of a gap heavy team and they're trying to like, it's just like kind of like the nature of the league. Like you saw like the chiefs do this too. When they like, Try, they drafted Clyde Edwards Hilaire and then invested a lot in the interior offensive line. And now they're like a really heavy gap slash power run blocking team. And so I think that like Travis is just like not the kind of guy to give double digit power handoffs to. And Tank Bigsby hypothetically is that type of back. So I think that they just like don't really have like the right back to like mix with like the right type of scheme stuff that they want to do in the run game because like like I said last week about how the run game is missing Jamal Agnew but a lot of like that motion stuff comes on zone plays so part of the reason that they've gone away from like so much motion before like run plays is probably partly because obviously Jamal Agnew is on injured reserve right now but also because like that happens a lot more with zone plays and the Jags are more of a gap running team, or at least they want to be. And so I think if they truly want to be a gap running team and truly want to like do what they were planning on doing in terms of like flowing with trends league wide, uh, then like they got to like really give either tank or Dearness like five plus touches and like see if either of them can actually get going in the run game. Cause obviously like whatever offensive line, personnel you're putting out there like isn't going to be the reason that you're like winning in the run game right now um i think you just gotta like kind of have to give either dearness or tank more chances and kind of hope that they prove you right that that would be my thing if i were press taylor because i i can't really think of anything else I, I did not expect tank bigsby to be your answer I'm, I'm i'm not gonna lie to you i i i, I thought you were like pulling my leg at like what they is the punch Johnson, but like I yeah. like because now now that I like see how much they've transitioned from zone to gap because last year I was like oh they're transitioning from zone to like just a bunch of stuff and I thought they were just trying to have a pretty diverse run game in general so yeah. they like, hypothetically have something to be any opponent but now I think they're like actually trying to be a power scheme but like 
that's just not really Travis Etienne's MO. Yeah, it definitely felt like with the picks of Bigsby and Stray and Drewsdom trying to become more versatile in the running game. I just wonder if they have the offensive line, like for that still. You know, like Luke Fortner isn't isn't gonna push anybody around. I don't think Sheriff is like he used to. I don't think Anton will. Left tackle, regardless who's playing in that, I, I don't think so. I, I just that I, I agree with you. That's what like they need that power element. I just feel like up front the built for the opposite. The other thing I wanted to ask you about: what were your stances on both Doug going for it on fourth and three at their own thirty-eight with about four minutes left, and then the two-point conversion after the Evan Ingram's second touchdown? The announcers were being weird. They were like making it sound like if you didn't get the two-point conversion, it completely wiped out the necessity for the onside kick. And I was like, no, you still got to get the onside either way. I yeah. thought the two point made sense. Like it's basically deciding overtime right there. You know, like if you, if you, if, if you get it or not, right. Like it, it's just doing it without having to play the overtime. If you don't get it, then, you know, you lose an overtime. If you get it, then you win. I thought that was fine. The fourth and three decision I thought was interesting. That, that was the play I was thinking of where, Ingram was double teamed. They attempted like what, like a fifteen yard pass on fourth and three. That was a play to me where it just that that was like the play of the game. I felt like where it was obvious like they missed Christian Kirk because when they lined up for it, I thought in my head, I have no idea how they get three yards. Yeah, you know, <laughs> like, like there's no easy answer. Yeah. What, what were your thoughts on like just going for it there in general? I, I liked both decisions to go for the two point. Because, like, like you summed it up really well for the two-point conversion. Like, they were basically making the decision in overtime because you would rather, like, go for the win there while you have the ball on a two-yard line mm-hmm. as opposed to, like, trusting your offense or defense against the Browns, honestly. Because, like, I feel like nothing that the def- Jaguars defense had done that afternoon, like, made you really trust them to get, like, a big stop. Even though, like, Caldwell's defense has been good that in general for the most part this season. Um like, I don't know if anyone in Jacksonville would have, like, said with confidence, yeah, like, if we defer the uh, the kickoff in overtime, then, like, we should be all right. And then, like, yeah. especially the other way around, those that, like, even if the Jags, like, received the ball to start overtime, like, they weren't having a lot of success against the Browns' defense. So it would have been pretty tough to go to even get enough yards for a field goal, let alone drive down the field and score a game-winning touchdown. So I totally think that, like, the decision to go for two there makes a lot of sense based on like just the way the game was going. And then I, I like the decision to go for it on fourth and three. Cause even though like I, I think you have a point in terms of saying before the play, like how are they going to get these three yards? Like it is only three yards and you are down. Were they down one touchdown at that point? I think so. Yeah. I, th- I think they were down just a touchdown because that set up the Browns going up by 10. Yeah, but, like, you you just don't really know how many more opportunities you're going to get, especially against, like, this Browns offense, which has had success in both the run and the pass. And, like, Stefanski is one of those coaches that's pretty good at, um, like, passing when you're expecting a run, especially in crunch time or whatever. So I I, I liked both, both decisions. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you on that one. All right, Gus, we're going to have to take a break. We'll come right back to – Give our eulogy <laughs> that Mike Caldwell is head coaching. 
and candidacy. We'll be right back. Gus, I'm afraid it might be Jover. <laughs> uh, that was it. The, so we, we talked plenty about how inept the Jaguars offense was against Cleveland. I thought the defense was slightly better than the offense was. But when you factor in that they were playing a backup geriatric quarterback, maybe that should change like that answer. Like, so they 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 came up with some stops, like two of the Browns touchdown drives. Like one was a twenty-two yard drive that was set up off a turnover, and one was a forty-eight yard drive that was set up off an interception. But like you, you had three touchdowns alone that. Nobody was near the guy, and that shouldn't happen in the NFL level. The first one, it was like what, like third and one, maybe third and inches, and the Browns came out with like a jumbo package, you know, to look like they were going to run. Jaguar sent pressure, and David Njoku, literally nobody around him at all. <laughs> no one has seen zip code. It was insane. I think its second touchdown was also on play action. It wasn't the exact situation, but again, nobody was near him. Stiff's arms, Andre Cisco, you know, into Cle- the earth, like the core of Cleveland as a city. Yeah. And then the third one, they send pressure again on what was it, fourth and one? And Darius Williams slips trying to cover David Bell, scores a 40 yard something touchdown. David Bell is one of the slowest receivers in the NFL. <laughs> for context. Yeah, you said last week it could be even a 40. So it would have been entertaining to see you score that touchdown. Yeah, exactly. So it the, that's 21 points right there that were given up, like just like because like they got outclassed, like in terms of like schematically on defense. Like you taking into account the opening drive, too, it was, yeah, it, it, it was six plays, 75 yards. Three first downs. They had like a like a tackle for like a one yard gain on a run play, and then every other play picked up like between like nine and thirty five yards. Like they, 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 it just seemed like Stefanski had Caldwell's number for most of the day, and it seems like when the Jaguars did find success, it was mostly due to Flacco, you know, sucking. I yeah. so Flacco, you know, he's going to get a lot of credit, you know, national media this week. Three hundred eleven yards, two touchdowns. I thought he was bad. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought he was straight up bad, which is worse for the Jaguars' defense that they gave up 31 points and that amount of yardage to him when he clearly wasn't playing well. You know, he was missing all over the place, you know, spraying some passes that really weren't even close. But the Jaguars still made it like even Joe Flacco hit a wide open receiver. Yeah, still true today. He can do it. Yeah. I, think, I think play action was a big part of it because uh, on the broadcast they showed at one point that Flacco's eight for ten with over a hundred yards and two touchdowns off play action, and I don't know what the final numbers were, but I know that all three of his passing touchdowns were off his play off of play action, and I'm sure about half or maybe even more than half of his yardage was off of play action. So I think similar to the Jags passing offense. Or to similar to like the Jags offense, like you'd think that the problems lie in the passing game. Like there's a big injury to Christian Kirk. There's 
big injury to or smaller injury to Tyson Campbell, but your top cornerback in Tyson is out for this game. And obviously that doesn't help your pass defense, but like, I think the run game is really where like the problems start because again, like uh, most of Flacco's production came off of play action, especially on that second Njoku touchdown. I, I couldn't tell you what happened on the first one, but they had like six down linemen and it was just like a funky personnel package that I'm assuming they don't run very much on the second one. Like there was a linebacker that just bet, bit super hard on play action to like leave that gap behind him wide open for Njoku to run through. Um, and so I think like not having uh, like a fully healthy Devon Hamilton, but then also fully Fatukazi who's ruled out for the game as well, uh, really hurt the Jags against this Browns offense, which kind of is definitely one of like the more run so that we can pass uh, centric offenses in the league. It is Mike Caldwell pushing the right buttons against his backup quarterbacks. He keeps, it feels like he's being like uber aggressive, like sending a lot of heavy blitzes. Should he just be like kind of sitting back and like seven man coverages and like letting the quarterback try to actually beat them with accuracy and placement as opposed to, it seems like he's like trying to force them into a mistake or into a negative play. And like Cleveland credit to, you know, Kareem hunt and their tight ends and, you know, that Jeremy Ford, like they were stopping every blitz, you know, like they, they protected extremely well. The Jaguars only had three quarterback hits. That's insane. But Flacco dropped back 40 something times and they only hit him three times. That, 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 that doesn't compute, compute. Yeah. Compute, compute with me. Even with the criticisms I have of their pass rush, I still don't see, especially when you blitz as much as they did on passing downs, how you only hit a guy three times who's not very mobile. Yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe what it is is that Caldwell is like seeing who's starting at quarterback on the other side. And he's like, oh, Jake Browning, Joe Flacco, like these are the types of quarterbacks that like are affected by pressure. So as long as we get some kind of pressure on them, then we feel comfortable with like the outcome of each play. Um, <clears throat> but then, <coughs> excuse me, maybe he just wasn't giving quite enough respect to like the offensive schemes and game planners because yeah, it's Jake Browning and Joe Flacco, but they had some pretty nice play calls and just game plans kind of like helped set them up. And so really like all Flacco and Browning, what they were doing was playing point guard and just like hitting the open passes when they needed to be made. Um, so. But I, I feel like it puts more stress on the back end of the defense, you know, because you – like one slip up and you have David Bell going for, you know, 40 something yards. And I know Jaguars fans are like, you know, really harping on the injuries. The Browns had a backup left tackle, a backup center, I believe a backup guard, a third string right tackle. Like this was a, you know, patchwork offensive line too. And it, it, it just felt like the Jaguars did nothing to make Flacco uncomfortable really all game long. No, I think that's fair. I, their their interior is really lacking. Obviously, like Josh and Trayvon were a little bit quiet relative to some solid recent weeks that they've had. But like again, like I just feel like the Jags defense prides themselves on stopping the run, but also like their the, the defensive tackles are almost like the core of the unit, and they're just not performing. Excuse me, performing well enough. So of the three quarterback hits, one Antonio Johnson. One by Andrew Wingard, one by Tyler Lacey. Wow. 
And that one by Tyler Lacey took about like nine seconds. On yeah, like, and that, that was like more so like like caused by like a Josh Allen pressure. Like yeah. I felt like Allen was getting decent pressure, but just you know wasn't able to finish. And otherwise, it just it it, it felt like the Jaguars like just couldn't get like really anything going in that respect. No, maybe that's also part of the reason that they've been like blitzing and um. Like rather than being like, oh, let's drop seven. Like actually, Flacco beat us. Is that like, yeah, blitzing will leave <clears throat> some of your guys on an island outside, like a Monteric Brown or a Gregory Jr. But also, like, if you're not getting any pressure, like whatsoever, like again, like Caldwell's mo in the passing game is like pressure the quarterback. So, I, I maybe he just wants to do that. So we we can officially say that Trent and etc. missed on their assessment of the pass rush, especially at the deadline, right? Yeah. <laughs> you think now's a good time to declare it? Well, I'll declare it then, but <laughs> I'll, <laughs> yeah. I'll, go, I'll go ahead and take an extra victory lap now. Like, yeah, there you go. That, uh, that overconfidence that's like bordering on arrogance that Smoot and the Von Hamilton would be the missing pieces to a pass rush. You're th- These are the type of games that you know, people were banging the table to add a pass rusher for, you know, when you're playing the Jake Brownings and the Joe Flacco's. Like, I'm sorry, Josh Uche, they could have used him yesterday. They, Absolutely. they, I, I feel like Chase Young would be more helpful right now than a third rounder that they're going to use on a plotting running back from an SEC school. Yeah, I don't know. Their, their last offseason just didn't make any sense. It's like, you like won one playoff game, and it was at the hands of like a collapse of a poorly coached yeah. Chargers team. And, and then you went nine and eight. Yeah, and you're going into the next offseason just like adding depth in the draft and not really doing anything in free agency. It's like at least like pretend you're in win now mode and like go add one cool yeah. guy. Like they did add Calvin Ridley, but that was over a, a year ago at this point. Yeah, so very clear that the defense I think is missing some pieces it needs to be successful. And yeah, the injuries obviously play a role. Not I know Tyson's kind of been a shell of himself this year, but not having a Tyson Campbell that they expected in the lineup has obviously played, you know, uh, a huge part. I think at one point in the game both Andre Sisko and Rayshon Jenkins were hurt. So they had both backup safeties in. Antonio Johnson had a Really, you know, impressive game, and we'll get to him later. But he only played 26% of snaps. Greg Jr. played 42% of the snaps. Trey Harden is still a better option than Greg Jr., obviously, though Antonio Johnson's probably earned some more snaps mm-hmm. moving forward. I I felt like it was a second consecutive subpar performance from Devin Lloyd. Like, you know, a lot of missed tackles. It felt like the Browns were getting a lot of yards after contact both in the running game and, you know, in the passing game, like <laughs> choke you on one play, like just shoved Greg Jr. out of the way on his way to a, <laughs> a, fir- a first down. You, you remember which one I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, nah, it was. So it, it it just feels like this defense is like a shell of the defense that legitimately, like it, it wasn't make-believe. Like they were legitimately like a top eight defense earlier in the year. They were giving Josh Allen a hell. They gave Patrick Mahomes hell. And now they're getting diced up and dissected. And maybe, yeah, again, I don't think Flacco was good and had an efficient game, but 
he had three plays where they just straight up weren't covering anybody, and it results in them losing the game. So, I don't know. It definitely feels like the defense has kind of lost lost its way a bit here. Uh, yeah, for sure. I think they're going to just need either, like, players to come back from injury or just, like, they're going to need some new players in general in order to kind of, like, get back to where they were at the beginning of the season. Yeah, like, just looking ahead, you know, you get to January. Like, do you expect this specific defense to hold up against, like, Miami? No. Current yeah. current Buffalo? No. Baltimore? No. Not even the Chiefs with their, like, receiver situation. Our yeah. receiver race is, like, keeps looking a little bit better every game. But, yeah, no. That was – I feel like we've said this, like, every other episode since last offseason. But, like, the Jags had, like, a good enough defense to get through the regular season. And then at the beginning of the regular season, it was better than anyone could have expected. But, like, we're going to get to the playoffs. And as we said the whole time, like, it was not never really enough to compete with the elite yeah. quarterbacks and offenses that are in their same conference. But these last two weeks have looked more to me like the defense I expected. And that's not to, like, put the onus of this game on the defense because they did have, like, three, like, giant plays. You know, like, Andrew Wingard, his forced fumble is a really, really impressive second effort. Uh, Joe Flacco threw a ball directly into the chest of Darius Williams. Yeah. And then Antonio Johnson, his strip sack, he, he hit the hell out of Flacco on that, you know. So – Again, this isn't to say the defense is the sole reason they lost the game. I thought the defense was better than the offense, but it's a worrying trend now that the last two weeks they've just kind of been, you know, against backup quarterbacks, giving up big plays, giving up wide open plays. And, I mean, over the last, like, month and a half, they were good against the Titans. They were okay-ish. Against the Texans, you know, maybe maybe closer to good against the Texans, but I mean, three of their last five games now they've given up thirty or more points. Yeah, they also lead the league in games with a three hundred yard passer against them. With seven, there's seven such games that they've allowed a three hundred yard passer, and it's like two games against Mahomes and Josh Allen, but then the rest it's like Carter Minshew, Derek Carr, Jake Browning, Joe Flacco. CJ Stroud. That's tough. Yeah. <laughs> That's tough. And then, like, for your, when you were asking, like, what would you do if you were Press Taylor? What would I do if I were Mike Caldwell? I don't, I don't know. Like, I think it's kind of a same, the similar problem where it's like with Press, it's like you don't really have like the personnel to really like figure out new solutions, which is why I'm bringing up like their failed third round rookie running back. And then it's like the same for Caldwell. It's like, like you can try to like do like the three safety sets again and replace Antonio Johnson with Andrew Wingard and see how that works for you. But like I, I don't know what else to say. Gus, we both know they aren't taking Andrew Wingard off the field. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, I'm with you. It definitely feels like it's tied directly, you know, to personnel because yeah, they're missing some guys in the back end, but how many guys are they missing up front yesterday? Like just fully Vodakasi, right? Yeah. And the ghost of him. And they did nothing to disrupt Flacco. I thought even the running game, I how many like short yardage situations did they win yesterday? It felt like every third and one, fourth and one, the Browns got with ease. I was gonna am say I, am, am I wrong in that? They had a 
like the Giants had a couple impressive like short yardage stops. They they would always come on like second or third down, and the Browns would still be able to get it on like their second or third try doing it. And that was the other thing. There were a lot of second and shorts and third and shorts. Didn't feel like the Jaguars are winning on first down nearly the level that it did earlier in the year. No, that was that was really the big thing is that like between Tyson being in and then like having a healthier interior defensive line, like their run game and just early down defenses really start and they were forcing opposing offenses into third and long situations, which is like where the pass rush could actually cook with like a bunch of stunts and then also just like the guys being able to pin their ears back. But now like especially the past two weeks, uh I wouldn't be surprised if like the past two weeks were like the lowest average yards to go on third down that the Jags have allowed this season. Yeah, I I, I would agree with that. This week's bulky ball. You ready? Mm-hmm. Okay, would you rather have a player at five years, $125 million, who records zero sacks in a game, or would you rather have a player on a fifth-round contract for peanuts? You did not. This is the for, worst one. This is the worst one. For peanuts. Would you rather have the guy making the game, the potentially game-changing play or the guy who can't get past Blake Hans. You tell me. <laughs> Antonio Johnson was a better pass. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I thought you were going with Tyler Lacey at first because he had one hit. <laughs> <laughs> Either way, it's terrible. No, not doing that. Not 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 doing that one. It's so for for my bit about Garrett not having any sacks, he still had three quarterback hits and a tackle for a loss. Like yeah, he, he was all over the place. I I've seen people like say like he wasn't a factor. No, he he completely terrorized them. But I guess like the lone bright spot was, you know, Antonio Johnson, and we'll get more into him in the next segment. But other than that, other than him coming along nicely, I'm not sure what there is to be positive about the defense right now. I don't. I don't We'll get into it on Friday, but I'm not sure how you can expect them to contain Lamar and Zay Flowers and, hell, even Odell Beckham just had a really good game against yeah, the Rams. Yeah, my, my so, it, it, a lot of questions to be had. But Gus, you got anything else on defense? Uh, no, I would just say that it's, like, almost the same thing for the offense in terms of, like, takeaways from the game. Because I thought, like, Parker Washington had another impressive touchdown snag, and that was – Partly encouraging, A, because it was a good catch, and B, because it was on a slot fade. Shout out Christian. But, uh, like, that's, like, a very, very uh, Christian Kirk route is to win, like, a slot fade in, like, the high red zone. And so it was, it was, impressive. It, it was nice to see uh, that rep from Washington. And then he only had one of the couch on the day. But I thought, like, between Parker Washington and Antonio Johnson, you're like, okay, you saw, like, some, like, a nice flash or two out of, like, these day three rookies. Uh, and that's about it. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. <laughs> All right, we'll be right back. All right, Gus. Game ball is always tough to give out after a loss. Let's go ahead and start with special teams. You know, I, I know that's that's always the uh, hot button one. Yeah. I think you got to. I think you got to give it to uh, Parker Washington. Yeah, yeah. I, I, he had so twenty six yard punt return. He had sixty three yards as a punt returner. That's more yards than 
every Jaguar skill player produced other than Evan Ingram on Sunday. Okay. No other okay. Jaguars player. No other Jaguars skill player, but Evan Ingram got 63 yards. So I know it's different because it's a punt return. I don't care. <laughs> he was relatively impactful with the ball in his hands. I'm sorry. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's nice to see that he's taking the path that, like, good slot receivers taken. Like, Christian Kirk is one. Uh, like, Julian Edelman is the cliche that comes to mind of, like, kind of like a scrappy, small slot receiver. He's like a late-round pick. I mean, Christian Kirk was a second-round pick, but – like a guy that's like earning his way onto the field with some good special teams reps. So it was nice to see, especially after Washington had like some questionable returns in recent weeks or just like questionable decisions on like whether to catch the ball or return it in recent weeks. Um, it, was, it was very good to see the rookie make some plays in Jamal Agnew's absence. I will say he runs like he's playing tag. Like he, like, yeah, yeah, I can see that. <laughs> <laughs> the, the way he returns the punts, I'm like, how are you getting yards out of this? <laughs> yeah, there was definitely one return where it's like, you're dancing yeah. so much, you got to just like go north to south. But two out of three good returns, a third one that could have been even better, but definitely a nice special team performance for him. Yeah, for sure, for sure. All right, defense. I think it's got to be Antonio Johnson. Yeah, his strip sack, huge play. I know he didn't play a lot, but he's playing the strip sack. He had a really impressive, like, pass breakup on a third down near the red zone against uh, Amari Cooper. It, you know, I was a big guy saying no chance you can let this guy play at a slot, but really impressive outing, I thought, from him. I struggle to think of any other defender who was really making impact plays. Maybe Darius Williams. He had a pick and three, three pass breakups. For my game ball, because he had the pick, yeah. three PBUs. One of them was on, uh, like, third down in the fourth quarter that like got the Jags back the, got the Jags ball back so I thought he had a really good game especially considering like that Jacksonville's two starting safeties were injured at some point in the second half and Tyson Campbell and Trey Herndon were both out like he's uh once like Tyson went out in like week five or six or whatever earlier in the season I was a little nervous about Darius and I was like he's been playing like a pro bowler so far but maybe with Tyson being out uh like he'll kind of come back down to earth and that still hasn't happened. He's still putting together a Pro Bowl caliber season, even with like the rest of the secondary almost kind of falling apart without him, barring Antonio Johnson, of course. But yeah. I, thought it was, I thought it was a really nice day for D Will. Yeah, no, I, I I agree with you. That won't won't disagree with you on that one at all. And then <laughs> offense, <laughs> I I don't know. To me it's it's gotta be Evan Ingram like is the, the only one, right? Yeah. He shot me up a couple of weeks ago. My hot take was that he was a, a like shallow route merchant or crossing route merchant just because he had a, had a couple of quiet games and I thought he could have slash should have been more involved, but he certainly got involved on Sunday and uh, I don't I don't think I remember any catches. He definitely had a few tough or I don't think I remember any drops, but he definitely had a, a few tough catches. Uh, had more touchdowns today than he had in the rest of the season previously combined. So he he caught almost forty percent of Trevor Lawrence's completions. Wow. Yeah. He he, he was he was targeted twelve times and he had eleven catches for ninety five yards and two touchdowns. I feel like it might have been fifty percent if you take out like Jackson was last drive, just because I feel like ETN racked up like five catches in the last three minutes of game yeah. time. That's true. That's true. So he def like Ingram is their best skill player right now. 
to me. Yeah. Like he, 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 these last two weeks especially, he's been like on a tear. I don't think I would go as far as to say as he's their best receiver because I saw some comments on that and like Jack's like Wednesday Jones is out early in the year. Uh, the Jags would try to like have Engram be on the perimeter a little bit more running like some more like receiver type routes and that didn't work awesome. Um, but he's I would, I would definitely agree that he's like their best skill position player right now. I, I think he, I think he's the best pass cat like maybe not wide receiver if you're getting technical, right. but I think he's the best pass catcher. Yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah. It's just people are like, oh, like making it about uh like Ridley and Zay too, which like maybe it should be, but I don't know. He's 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 been doing really well. I was I was really excited to see his I forget if it was his first or second touchdown. I'm pretty sure it was his first touchdown, but he ran like kind of like out to the right three steps and then cut back into the left. And it was, which is called an angle route. And he ran that like behind someone who was running just a drag route to kind of clear out space. And that's just like a staple red zone tight end play. It's called wide trail. And like, I feel like I've talked about on this pod before because Peterson is a huge uh, tight end guy. And that was like a staple for their offense in Philadelphia in the red zone. It was like can't tell you how many touchdowns I saw Zachar score on that same route. So it was pretty cool to see like the usage or the scheme for Engram's touchdown on that one. Yeah, no, I'm I'm with you hundred uh, percent. And I don't know, it, it it very much just feels like like in offense that you know, like you had said, you know, the expectation was for a three headed monster plus Evan Ingram plus Travis Etienne. How are you going to cover all these guys and? Him and Christian Kirk are the only ones who have really, it seems like, you know, met that expectation. Like, like Zay Jones has the second fewest yards per target of his career right now, and the first fewest was when he was in Buffalo. Yeah, it's 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 not it's it's not good. He had two point seven yards per target yesterday. Oh man, he's just like yeah. I tried saying it last week of like when I was saying like the deep intermediate stuff wasn't going to work, but he's just like not fully healthy. So I feel like even the fact that he had. 30 yards or whatever it was is almost impressive. He had, he, had, he had a lot of targets to get those 30 yards. So that's why it's yeah, not, yeah, impressive. Yeah, not wrong. Gus, do you have any resounding hot takes to carry us out with? Um, I don't know if this is really a hot take, but I'm definitely expecting Lamar Jackson to become the eighth passer to reach 300 yards, 300 passing yards specifically against the Jaguars this coming Sunday night. Uh, partly because like Lamar has definitely been. Like, he's always been trying to pass more than he runs, but especially this year in Todd Monken's offense, uh, he's, like, very much so, like, a passer who will sometimes scramble than vice versa. So I think Zay Jones and Odell and Isaiah Likely are definitely going to get theirs on Sunday night. Uh, um, Go ahead. I'm fighting for my fantasy football playoff life, and Mm -hmm. I released Isaiah Likely, or, like, Earlier this week, and oh, the, guy I'm playing, the guy I'm playing picked him up. Oh no! Who did yeah. you said? Or were you? Uh, who did you who start speak? Brevin Jordan. They were playing the Jets. Every everybody in Houston told me Brevin Jordan was going to have a breakout game. Only because Don Schultz is out, and it's like, oh, because the tight end one is out, that means the tight end two. He's going to. Put up darn right. 45 fantasy points. <laughs> yeah, darn right. I, I didn't think CJ Stroud was going to get outplayed by Zach Wilson. 
I did not either. That was a surprise to me. I definitely I, – I liked the Texans a lot in that game. So, so for as much as it seems like the sky is falling in Jacksonville, go ahead and dip your toes over in the Houston Texans online community. <laughs> that's the sky that's falling. You know, you, mm-hmm. Nico's hurt. Tank's hurt. Now Stroud's hurt. The defense is getting diced up by Zach Wilson. They're freaking out over there. They, they, they got hurt too. What was his injury? I think hamstring, something yeah. like that. Yeah. I, I'm, I honestly just kind of pulled hamstring. It just sounded right in the middle of. <laughs> uh, do you know if Justin Jefferson's re-injury was like related to his hamstring? Because that no, it was a, it was a chest injury. Oh, man. Because Josh Dobbs threw him a complete hospital ball. Yikes, man. I'm 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 glad that Josh Dobbs bit is over. Not gonna lie. Yeah, I mean, I thought it was fun while it lasted, but it's, I didn't. It was never gonna last a lot longer. Nico Collins left with a calf injury on the first drive of the game. Okay, good to know. <laughs> yeah, didn't didn't come back. So Houston only had 135 yards of total offense. And that's Ooh, against like not even like a great defense. That's against a that's against a good defense. The Jets. Yeah, that's not a great defense. I would say they're a great defense. I think they're like bottom level of like top tier of defenses. They're top I, twelve. I'll give them top eight, but okay, we can. <laughs> we can that's agree. fair enough. I'm also working off. I saw several Jets fanboys comparing them to the 2000 Ravens at the start of the year when uh-huh. Robert Sala had his. We've played a bunch of top quarterbacks and we've embarrassed all of them. Quote. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe maybe I'm working off that, but so for as bad as things are for the Jaguars, it definitely feels like things are just as bad. And that was the other thing for the Jaguars; they can at least, I think, somewhat stomach this loss because Houston and the Colts both lost too. They got lucky with that one, but this week Colts play the Steelers, and I want to say Houston plays the Titans. I could be wrong on that. Hmm. I don't know. Houston. Yeah, Houston plays the Titans and Colts play the Steelers. So, I don't know. We'll see if Davis Mills starts that game or not. But, I mean, those are two games that are probably up in the air. So, <laughs> so you're telling Jags fans to root for the Titans and the Steelers this week, John? That's right. <laughs> they, they could try rooting for the Jaguars, but I'm, I'm not sure how far it's going to get them. <laughs> <laughs> That's just so funny the way it worked out. Though. It's like, yeah, if you want your favorite team to make the playoffs, like root for your two least favorite teams or like your team's two biggest rivals. I, I do want to say I am basking in. I, I wrote an article last Sunday about how the Jaguars weren't getting any help from the guys that were playing their Colts and the Texans. And long-time columnist was very dismissive of me. It was like, oh, there's no way they don't win the division. They, they only need the Packers to win. <laughs> uh, take two of these and call me in the morning, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yes. I don't think I got any simmering takes. What about you? Yeah, that's all right. I, I'm, I'm about taked out on that one. Yeah. Thank you guys for joining us. We'll be back Friday morning to preview uh, Jaguars and the Ravens. Not sure which way we're going to lean on that one, but mm-hmm. we we shall be back. So thank you guys for joining us. John Shipley, my co-host, Gus Logue. Thank you guys for listening, and we'll be back on Friday.